You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 59. Subscribe to us and leave us a review in iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. Visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and more. Send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. Follow us on Twitter at codingblocks or head to www.codingblocks.net and find all our social links there at the top of the page. With that, I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. We've all been there. A bug in your code means you need to delay a deploy and ultimately miss your deadline. I mean, not me. I, I've never had a bug in my code. Never? But it's a, it's a, never. It's a terrible feeling, and Airbrake.io, our latest sponsor, is here to change that. Airbrake points you directly to the issue for a quick resolution. That means no more wasted time searching for Alan's bug in the log files and more time writing and shipping Joe's great code. Airbrake supports .NET and all major programming languages. Sign up at getairbrake.com CB for a free 30-day trial and the chance to win a $500 Amazon gift card. It's a completely free trial and you'll be shocked by how much time it saves you. Again, that's getairbrake.com CB. And we'll have a link in the show notes. All right. So first up, we got the podcast news. We're going to start uh, by thanking you guys for your wonderful reviews. And in iTunes, uh, we got quite a few great ones. So thank you very much. Gespaton, ES Lent, Dreed44, Skiravs, and Jborn33. Yep. And so I've got Stitcher. We had Tappan, The Doug, Mosquito Bite, Timby, Yellow Snowman. That one's fantastic. <laughs> Skiravs. Um at Newton, and this one was a challenge thrown down by our Italian CS friend who's riding around in Rome listening to us. So here we go. Arnibaldo Cernibalde Shifi. I'm pretty sure that's close. I don't know if I hit it, but but the only thing I do want to point out is in his review, he said that we make him feel a little bit more sane with his thoughts, and I feel like that should scare him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. probably a little more insane. <laughs> Right. But did you notice there was one in there twice? There was. Skirovs. Yeah. yeah. Hit thank us up you. on both awesome. iTunes and Stitcher. So super thanks. Yep. Big thank you to all of you. We enjoy reading them. We we say it every time and we mean it. So thank you very much. And for the full show notes, visit uh, codingblocks.net slash episode 59. Sweet. So <laughs> I, I had this thought. You, we've all we've we've all seen movies and TV shows about it. We've talked about this uh, in in our Slack channels about. You ever noticed how Hollywood portrays hackers and hacking and how weird, like anything related to technology, they just they they never get it right. Have you noticed this? Except for doc, or except for Mister Robot, that one's pretty cool. That's why I hear about it. That okay. That show, that show is good, but I guess what I'm thinking of is like, you see this more often in like one of the CSI variants or, uh, I'm trying to think of, I, there's some recent movie that I want to talk about, but I don't want to give it away. Um, oh yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But at any rate, they you know, where it's like, oh, this guy's hacking. Oh, well, let me hack him back and we can, we can. <laughs> get around this right it's like oh real-time hacking i know code i know computers and and like hollywood portrays this as like hacking is or, or even programming you know it doesn't even like quote hacking just any kind of like i know code so i can program so therefore i can like get my way around this 
they portray it as like it's it's you know one gunman against another gunman just because but instead of you know replacing the guns with computers have you have you noticed this <laughs> yeah totally has it ever annoyed you but it's comical <laughs> but but the reality i was thinking about this in a recent movie that i just saw and i was like wait a minute no that's that's so it's more like well I'm a building architect and I'm going to change the blueprints to where the bathroom is over here. And then the other <laughs> building architect is like, no, 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 We're going to put the bathroom on this side just to counteract what you just did. But no building has actually been built. It's not, you know, it's not running. It's not compiled yet. But then they're like, okay, now we're going to build the building and they're going to do it like super quick. <laughs> Does that make any sense? That's closer. And usually there's landmines in between where all those bathrooms are actually going to be. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what you're problem. leaving in the bathroom, I thought. But <laughs> uh, I just, but I, yeah. it's just so sad and unfortunate. Like the way they portray anything related to technology, you know, anything related to, to programming or anything about hackers, it just feels like I, it, it's never, it's never right. But how sexy would it be to actually portray the real thing, right? Like it'd basically be somebody reading through API documentation for two hours but to write that one line of code. That's kind of <laughs> my point, though, is that it's not. So you shouldn't do right. it. I mean, you wouldn't like, because here was the thought that came to mind was that like in the movie, you know, one hacker starts to do something. The other hacker is like, oh, I, I can get this. Hold on. Give me a second. And, and so they start you know, immediately trying to, you know, hack retaliate back to undo what the other guy just did. And I'm like, no, 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 it would never work like that. The reality is first, you're going to have to clone that repo. Then you're going to have to figure <laughs> out, you're going to spend like a stupid amount of time just going through the code. Because you're like, wait, what is this? Where is this? Where does this thing start? Why is that over there? Who would write it like that? And then right. you're going to find the actual spot. You're like, okay, I think this is where I'm going to need to run, the, where I need to make the change. But lo and behold, there's no unit tests. So now I got to co-create some unit tests. And that's after you like, that's assuming you even got all the scaffolding in place to <laughs> compile this thing and run it. Like the reality is it's nowhere near as yeah. like real time and sexy as they try to portray it. It's not that glamorous. And then you're going to realize that it was written in spring and you're never going to get through the XML files, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Old spring. Yeah, old spring, not not, not spring boot. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. So I've got some really cool. Oh wait, were you about to say something, Joe? I saw. No, you, I was I just thinking about those uh, those tweets that are like um, two two unit tests, no integration tests. Right. Oh, you see those? It'd be like two drawers that like you know, like each one opens individually. Or like um, I think one of my favorite ones like uh, it was a sink. Uh, uh, and uh, there was a basin for the sink, but like the the water would clearly just shoot right out <laughs> of the basin because it was like not put together very well. Uh, I mean, you have to see it to to get the funnies, but it's good. Excellent. So I have some really cool news that a lot of people in the Hackintosh world are loving right now, and even even you know people that aren't necessarily Hackintoshers. NVIDIA finally released their drivers that will work on OS 10 or the OS Sierra now, I sure Mac OS. I'm sorry. I will get it right eventually. Um, 
but the funny thing is, so if you go up to their download page, which we'll have a link here, uh, they don't list Mac OS as one of the operating systems. It's actually for free BSD, which is what, you know, Mac OS was built on top of. So, um, you can actually go out there and get drivers. So if you have an old cheese grater Mac laying around and you want to put in a 1080 because you need it, <laughs> you know, you can do that and you'll have drivers for it now. So it's, it's very cool. Uh, what a cheese grater Mac. I've never heard that term before. Yeah, really? before they had the trash can. It was the, the, the last of the good ones. Okay. Where it was yeah, the big yeah, aluminum case, I've... but the front yeah. of the holes like all cheese, in it. Cheese grater. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, what if we tried designing C a second time? <laughs> so, on, on Reddit, on the programmer humor subreddit there was the the top post of the day this great image that somebody posted and we'll have a link to it in the in the show notes but it basically goes through many different languages and it's like okay what if this what if that what so i'm gonna give you a couple examples and then i'm gonna hold off on some funny ones but like just to give you an idea as to what we're talking about right so java is what if everything was an object and c is what if everything was a pointer Right, so now you, you kind of get where we're going with this, right? You got the idea. So here was a couple funny ones that that I really liked. So uh, which one should I actually start with? Okay, we'll start with VB. What if we wanted to allow anyone to program? And VB.net. What if we wanted to stop them again? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. Go. What if we tried designing C a second time? <laughs> then I love this one too. Pascal, begin. What if everything was structured? End. Cobol. I like that C sharp a lot. Cobol. Oh, yeah. What if everything was uppercase? Or uh, C sharp. What if everything was like Java, but different? <laughs> and my absolute favorite one, the one that like seriously had me roll on the hardest, PHP, what if we wanted to allow... No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to read the wrong line. PHP, what if we wanted to make SQL injection easier? Oh, God. (laughs) What uh, what does JavaScript have to say about it? JavaScript was... Well, uh, this one's going to be tough to say because they're referring to a dictionary, but they don't make it easy to say the abbreviation (laughs) for that. Right. (laughs) So I'm just going to say dictionary. So right. what if everything was a dictionary and an object? Okay. <laughs> it's a beautiful world to live in. I, I, I I'm love surprised that that's all they have to say about JavaScript. They had to keep them one-liners, right? Yeah, it's got to be one-liners. <laughs> yeah. It's always fun to poke fun at your favorite and not-so-favorite languages. All right, so we are back for the most important part of today's show, where we're going to speak with Michael Crump and Clint Rutkus on uh, some very important and very neat, cool bits coming out of Build 2017 this year we're excited to talk about. On all days, of course, but may the 4th be with you. (laughs) And none of you are wearing Star Wars shirts. What is wrong with you guys? All right. I have a nerd reference t-shirt. I have a a real genius t-shirt on right now. Nice. Nice. I will take that. All right, but the rest of you guys, we got to work on your game here. We got to step that up. 
I was surrounded by Star Wars stuff constantly. So there's a pineapple. You just, just slightly out of camera. <laughs> All right. So you guys go ahead and take it away. Okay. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Uh, Michael, do you want to quickly explain like what UWP is for the people that, uh, of the audience that don't truly know what the universal windows platform development is? Yeah, absolutely. So if you may be wondering kind of what is this UWP thing. So let me just attach that to uh, whenever you think of UWP, you're thinking of the universal Windows platform. So one of the things that you know we've noticed is that there's a lot of different platforms in the Windows ecosystem. You have your IoT devices to your PCs to things like uh, Surface Hub and even like Xbox. And with UWP, it helps you and it creates the framework that allows you to write applications that work on all of those different types of devices. So if you're already invested and you're doing things inside of the Windows system, UWP allows you to create one project type that will target all of those different platforms. So you can do things like reuse code. You can add things like adaptive triggers to make your applications look great on all those different types of devices. So that's kind of the real high level of it without kind of going into deep uh, deep there about what UWP does. But uh, that's something that uh, I believe will be interesting to a lot of people that especially are wanting to build and extend to the Windows platform. I would also like to just pile on another great uh, uh, advantage of UWP is it provides a clean install and uninstall experience. So it doesn't leave any legacy artifacts around for your application. So uh it also helps reduce uh, registry uh, hits, and, and it just it's a great packaging system as well. Um, your app can go to the store, or you can sideload your app as well if you're an enterprise or an individual user. It's, it's just a really solid platform. So it's allowing so me to I have a consistent to... uh, Windows app experience, consistent with like what other apps might do and what the expectations that users may have on my app based on interactions they've had with other apps. But at the same time, I get this buy-in of I can deploy this code on multiple device types. Yeah, device yes. families, yeah. So this is the premier way. If I wanted to write a Windows client app today, like this would be the first thing I would want to look at, right? Yeah, and, and also yeah. it's about modernizing you know, applications. <laughs> So one of the things that, you know, we've taken a look at is that, you know, maybe, for example, your parents, uh, the traditional way that they download and install software is they may go to, you know, uh, Bing or Google it. And, you know, it brings them to some random web page and they, they're maybe not, they're not sure, you know, if that web page is legit or whatever. And they go ahead and they, they download that MSI installer, they run it. And the next thing you know, they have all kinds of little uh, floating cats around their screen. I, I don't know if you know my parents, but uh, they get all of their greatest software from a Nigerian prince who is only <laughs> going to need a couple thousand dollars in the bank account, and he will send them back a half million. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, but really, that's the type of things that we face. And now it's nice to be able to say, oh, okay, you know, if you need this software, you can actually go to the Windows Store and you can top in that. And I know if you download it from there, not only are you going to get, you know, an application that has been authorized by us, but also things like updating it. You know, you, we know that like, you know, parents and other people, you know, they click away, you know, if there's like a pop up from the tray that says, you know, update this app. They're like, oh, that's going to you know, keep me from doing something else I'm trying to do. So, yeah, th things like updating is just is, is built in for free. Yeah. And actually, one of the gr uh, updating uh, it, 
updating and deploying your app is one of those things where everyone's like, oh, you know, that's super easy. I'll just do this. But like the great thing with like the AppX format is it will actually do differential updating. So if you only update 1K of a 5 gig uh, application, you download 1K. Oh, nice. So that just makes your end user's life so much easier. It makes your life so much easier. It's it's a fantastic uh, uh, new packaging format. Very nice. And and just to clarify for like the web developers out there, this is similar in when you were talking about the triggers and all that. When you develop, you're almost doing it for your your most common denominator, right? So similar to responsive design on the web, that's sort of what this UWP gives you as far as for your Windows platforms. That's a great way to think about it. We we do refer to it as a responsive design as well, okay. responsive layout. And, cool. and the other thing to add in here is that if you are a web developer, it's not like you actually have to leave your stack and everything that you're already kind of, kind of doing. We have things called uh, hosted web apps. Uh, we also are doing uh, making some uh, models there with progressive web apps. So if you have an existing website and you would like to package that up and to be put into the store, and you know maybe then you you'll start getting all of your ad revenue versus people that are using a lot of different types of ad blockers. Uh, as a store, it's also will be easily discoverable, and you could add in other things if you wanted to, like in-app purchases. And start lighting up other features of UWP. So even if you are a web developer, you still have a home here. Awesome. So how do you improve on UWP? It sounds like it's pretty great already. Yeah. So uh, this is this brings us to our cool little toy that we're we're releasing. Uh, it's helping aid in the file new experience. And what we realized was uh, this is an experience that has historically said you know. Pick one of like four options, you know, and that's what you 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 get as your base. And then you have to go, you know, rip out fifty things and put fifty other things in. And then it takes takes multiple hours to get where you need to go. So, uh, me and Michael basically were chit chatting, and he was explaining about an application he built with his son which uh, was a cool little Minecraft app, and he's building up all these things, and he's kind of going like, wouldn't it be great if we could do some, you know, improve this so I didn't have to go and research this and that. So we basically thought of, uh, what if we built a, a dynamic generating, you know, uh, wizard that you, you pick, here are the options I want, and we just output it. And, and for web devs, a great way to think about this is Yoman. And so we built out Windows Template Studio. So you basically have two screens for our wizard. The first screen, you say, this is the type of app I want. And that is, what is your core framework? So are you picking code behind, MVVM Lite? Uh, if an external developer wants to add in new ones, they're more than welcome to. And then the other one is your project type. So what is the defining metaphor for navigation? So we have split view, pivot tab, and then blank we have just a blank one, which you pick and choose what you want. So from there, you click Next, and we um, you can pick one of six current pages that we support, along with uh, developer features such as background tasks, uh, Azure notification hubs, uh, live tiles, post notifications. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting a couple as well. It's just uh, suspend and resume. 
so things that were historically complicated and and takes takes lots of time to test out we programmatically figured out ways to generate this and basically get you what would prior uh take maybe two-ish hours two to three hours prior now takes 20 seconds yeah and i think to add on to that is to just think of this in your mind if it takes one of us a couple of hours to scaffold one of these applications when we live and breathe this every single day, you know, imagine somebody that is not, in, you know, who, who, who does not work with this platform, the type of pain that, that they, they would experience there. And how can we create a solution that gets them, you know, from file new experience to F5 and an actual functional app that, that is very, you know, make sure that we're not putting in too much code or too little code that gets you to an application that you can actually start working with now instead instead of you know going to a million documentation pages and start scaffolding that out. And then another great thing with that I mentioned like hey prior you'd have to remove a lot of code. So and Michael <laughs> mentioned we we have this fine line of not doing enough and too much. So in the scenarios where we're afraid we're going to do too much, we literally have documentation pages and that we link out to. So a great example would be our settings page. We by default have uh, theming support, which is a toggle button. But if you wanted to add in, you know, maybe uh, an integer based or a string based setting, that feels to me like something we shouldn't do and add in by default because some people will want it removed. So we have a link directly to our GitHub page and we explain in detail how to do, how to add in additional settings. Um, and then other scenarios would be like, if you have a map page, where do I get the API key? Did I even need, know that I need an API key? So we uh, have a bunch of developer to-dos that you can go through and remove the comment line. And you, we tell you exactly what we recommend you do there. So like a background task, this is where you should put your background task stuff. Um, if you have a page, this is where your content should go. So we, we try to make your onboarding experience uh, very, very easy and very, very quick. So this would basically be like if I uh, wanted to create a UWP app, and we'll, we'll say, the, quote, the old days before this uh, new template existed, then I would, I would go file new, start that project up, and then my next course of action is I'm going to spend the rest of my day on Stack Overflow answering all these kind of questions, right? Like, how do I add the map in and where do I put the so, API key? So, so we've distilled Stack Overflow into a file new uh, experience now to where now I'm just up and running in five minutes and like all of those were actually less. Uh, but now like you've already got those hooks in place and like, you know, pointers like, hey, you know, insert your key here, right? Yeah. Yes, and uh, our big thing is we try to link to best practice documentation. So whether that is docs.microsoft.com or a uh, engineer's blog or Stack Overflow, we want to, like I said, bring you up to speed and answer questions as fast as humanly possible that you may have and give you the best documentation. And the key thing here is also we're, we're working directly with the community to be sure that our practices and stuff that we link out to is actually what they would recommend or what they would think is useful. Uh, same thing with the source code generated. We worked for MVVM Lite directly with Laurent, the creator of MVVM Lite, to be sure that how the folder structure is, how we're you know putting uh, the different files, how we're navigating around the project. 
this is what that a, a MVVM light developer would expect. This is what the community, uh, you guys would expect the code to act and be like and look like. Um, so we opened it up to the MVPs, uh, the Microsoft Most uh, Valuable Professionals, uh, I think a, a couple days ago. And like the best feedback I've gotten are them nitpicking a line break between methods. And <laughs> it was just, it was generated code where one file needed to get inserted above another and insert. And it was just, we forgot a line break. But if they're nitpicking that, <laughs> I feel like we've succeeded. And yeah. I can't wait until what uh, we open it up to the public and see what the public uh, um, is trying to track down and find. And, and you know, the one of the great things also with it is our uh, Visual Studio extension is independent of the templates. So if we do have a bug or have something that needs to get pushed out right away, the next time anyone update or runs the the application, the uh, extension will see the change on our CDN for the template file and download the new templates. So if there is an issue, it gets fixed in pretty much real time as soon as we uh, uh, update the CDN. For a new project though, right? Not on an existing? That is correct, for okay. the new new projects. And I think one thing to kind of tie in here is kind of going back to that whole code generation thing that Clint just mentioned. I will say that the people that I have talked to from the community and also my own experience with code generation, it's kind of people kind of already kind of think or developers think, you know, and, you know, I'm not too sure about something that generates code. You know, is it going to be at the quality that I really want it, want it to be at? And I think that's where we were able to take a nice step back and look at, you know, other apps that generate code and look through that code and say, okay, I would have changed this, this, and this, and then actually getting it outside of, you know, this office and, you know, outside the bubble, exactly outside, outside the Redmond bubble and, and bringing in other people that live and breathe in VM daily, even people that use code behind in some smaller applications and that, if we generated this, what would you think about it? And then get that feedback and take it back and make sure that when we output code, it's code you actually want versus code you're going to immediately go in and hit the delete key on. Yeah. I think if you have to hit the delete key minus the to-do items that we have you for you, we failed. And I don't like failing. And I know Michael doesn't like failing. So I like don't. We, that's why we, we directly partnered with the community to be sure that, like I said, what is being made is something that people would want. And it like every time we demo this, like it it amazes me how quickly people are like, how can I get this? I need this like tomorrow. And we're like, sure, here's the, you know, the nightly feed. If you find bugs, please tell us about it. Um, and it just makes us so, so happy when that happens. Yeah, I got to start with the uh, front page, and I actually got to learn a lot about HTML um, when I was first learning because I would go and see how they did it. So that was really nice. Although, uh, yeah, the generated code, like you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, had a bit of a reputation. But front page uh, ninety-eight, that was it. Front page ninety-eight. I just yeah. <laughs> we we Good all times. had the CDs. Remember that? <laughs> oh yeah. Like, on the CD and everything, and you were like, oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. And like yeah. the key, I think one of the advantages we have is we're like we're building out your this we're building on a scaffold a framework for your application so 
like I think front page did a great job, but the problem with front page is it created uh, HTML and user facing content. So it had to deal with a lot of like margins and adjustments. We're dealing with like the, the elect, the electrical for your house. Like we can make assumptions and those assumptions are going to be pretty spot on uh, for almost everything. And then going to the UI, that's you guys. Like we trust that you guys are going to put in and make it look how you want. We will do our best to make like the navigation pane fit to Microsoft standards for design guidelines. But past that, if you want to change it or customize it, go nuts. We highly encourage it. I I would love to see what everyone creates. And I think the thing with that app that's created is that as a developer, we typically don't really do a lot in terms of design. And I know that anytime that I have created, you know, my own little kind of smaller app that I'm just going to kind of use design is something I never even, I even think about, you know, I just want something functional. And while we like functional apps, we also want apps that people want to use. Um, and so we've also worked with our design team here to make sure when you generate an application, you're not wondering, you know, is this hamburger menu or navigation pane, is this, is this starting, you know, the right pixels over, the right amount of pixels over? What about the colors? Are the colors, you know, are the colors like uh, approved colors here? Can you, can you do that? What happens when you actually select on a menu item? Well, is, is, it supposed to, is there supposed to be a background behind it or, well, you know, what's going on? A lot of those questions uh, that you may have uh, out of the gate, those are those are things that we have addressed in the template that is available and that you you're able to generate. Very cool. And, and a key thing that actually for to to actually do a counter against Michael here is we we do Microsoft design best practices, but you as an end developer pick and choose your own adventure. You don't have to stick to our guidelines. If you want your app to be fuchsia on black with you know something wherever go nuts it's your app you can do what you want don't assume that we are dictating rules and regulations to you but you have a nice starting block you have a nice starting block though is really what it boils down to hey so what real quick you guys haven't mentioned it you've skated around a little bit by saying hey if you have a particular type of project you want to add <laughs> so, so there, there's these two words that start with O and, and S. Um, what uh, this is all open source, right? You guys are are basically yes. making it to where people can contribute to this. Yes, yes. and we highly encourage uh, uh, contribution and and pull requests. We do have uh, con- uh, contribution guidelines that are best practices that we picked up from basically .NET and other open source uh, uh, projects. Um, it is under the MIT license, and our core goal here is is to have a discussion before anything is actually implemented. Because what we don't want is is like four people building out the same thing, and they all come in at the same time or roughly the same time, and everyone's like, "My baby's better. My baby's better." Like, look at this, and we're like, "Oh no, how do we deal with this?" And we don't want hurt hurt feelings, and and. Um, also it's figuring out like, Hey, did you think about, you know, the error use case, the error scenario of this or, uh, a great, honestly, this actually happened was the map control. We had just built in, um, default location, but then someone's like, you know what we should really implement is getting the location actually added in and dealing with the scenario where a user says, no, I don't want, um, to share my location. 
And that was a really great suggestion done by a community member. And he actually, uh, Matt, Matt Lacey, uh, committed a pull request for it. And we're like, that is fantastic. That's killer. That we were, we were actually up in the air if we should support, and he did the entire thing. So for That's my excellent. next project, rather than like doing file new blank app, I can do file new UWP app, and in 12 clicks, I can have localization included in, I could have mapping services included in, I can have theming. All of this is already scaffolded out for me, and all I got to do is focus on what the core of my application is going to solve, right? And of course, I can do this in my favorite language, vb.net. <laughs> so uh, two well, little things. So it's, it's C-sharp. And the other key, th uh, currently we only support C-sharp. If people are very interested in VB, 100% let's have that discussion. Um, the localization, we the app is by default built out to be localized. But it is currently set to ENUS only. Um, and this was actually a feature we had, we had figured out ways to do it, but it wasn't I would say uh, user friendly in the wizard because you needed like you'd add in a new language and then it would be like, well, what's the code? And I know like four codes off the top of my head, but then it's it wasn't as straightforward and easy as we wanted. So we said, hey, let's make it localizable or the app is localizable by default. It's in US. Uh, you can use like the multilingual toolkit to actually help auto generate everything for you. But we're going to provide a good, solid foundation, and then we're going to figure out how to do it better in the future. I, I will say that the multilingual toolkit is absolutely something that you should use. At least you should start with is taking a look at that. And obviously, if you're you know you're you're getting ready to publish an application, there's a ton of services. There's actually services that we list in our uh, Dev Center benefits that will allow you you know to to get an actual real translator and take a look at that before you go live with that. But it right now it's as simple as there is a ResX file. You can copy that and that will at least take care of a lot of text box, uh, about settings, uh, settings panes and things of that nature uh, to kind of get you started. Very cool. So, so here's the thing, like, I don't know, Joe, Alan, like if you think about this, right? Like we often take for granted, like when we do that file on you and we make our selections of what type of app that we want to create, right? you know, what that's actually doing, right? That, that there was a team of developers that sat there, that, like that was their project for a period of time, right? Was to write some code that wrote your code that you're later then going to take credit for writing. So, you know, I mean, thank you. Yep. But, the, <laughs> you know, I mean, you never, you never really think about it. You, uh, you take that for granted, right? So, like, I mean, it must, like, you guys, it must have taken a whole team of people, like, you know, a long time to write this thing, right? Like this is a huge effort. Years, right? No, <laughs> it's like 50 it's, people, it's, all of Microsoft. All of Microsoft. No, so um, basically, the, I talked about it a bit earlier where we, me and Michael kind of uh, uh, had, a, had a little brainstorming session. And then uh, every year, Microsoft has on campus a Microsoft MVP summit where the MVPs come on campus and we have a bunch of, we, we basically disclose a lot of our roadmaps and features that we're going to be uh, potentially building out and kind of using them as a sounding board. And so we pitched the idea to the MVPs as our final gut check because everyone we talked to internally liked the idea, but 
going back to we're afraid we live in a little bubble. So what did the community think? And the community overwhelmingly was positive. And we even threw a little focus group. And uh, at the time, we had I had written probably a good solid like 30 or 40 page spec on this and didn't tell them that we had this spec and said, what do you guys want in this? And we built out um, a kind of on the whiteboard a prototype, list of features, prioritized features. We basically gave them, uh, we call it dev cash. So how many, you know, how much resources would you prioritize for this versus that? Like, what do you want? Is a, is a map control more important than the master detail page? That's a good question. Like, where should we put our, our resourcing for designing and developing? So we did that. Uh, we had a little SWAT team of basically four devs plus me and Michael uh, help build out a good, solid prototype. We opened it up to the developers that were the MVPs that were at that focus group and then started migrating and, and, and you know, or transforming the project into something that everyone was super proud of. And you remember, Clint, like that uh, focus group, there was actually, we, we weren't necessarily expecting there to be so many people, but there were so many people that I actually had to grab chairs from other conference rooms. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's cool. <laughs> there was that many people that was interested, and we were looking at each other like, oh, I didn't know that many people. But and this many people also, cared about a file new experience. <laughs> exactly, but also this this was, uh, we also ran, we, we run developer surveys all the time. You may have been on some of those, and this was one of the top asks from the community was you know to bring back a, a better way for that file new experience. Yeah. That's killer. So I want to point out a few things because uh, one of the talks that we saw at a meetup here, rec- or not recently, but last year, Michael and I attended, and Sean Wittermuth, one of your MVPs that's been an MVP for 15 years or so, one of the hottest topics was let's start an ASP.NET core app from scratch. Because the problem was you go and create the .NET app using the file new, and it would give you so much garbage, and you wouldn't really know what was there, what wasn't, what you would actually have to add if you were going to start from scratch. So I want to point out, like, for people that are just trying to kind of get their feet under them, one of the cool things is is like what they're describing is is almost like designing your own pizza, right? You start off, you have this blank pizza, and you say, "Hey, on half of it, I want this. On this, I I want some, you know, olives over here, whatever." And at the end, you hit finish, and you have your pizza, right? That's that's yeah. kind of essentially what you built. Exactly. So uh, here's I call the it pick your own adventure, but yeah, that works. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> let's just cool keep talking about pizza. I, I mean, mean I like pizza. I want, I, it's almost eleven o'clock, and now I'm hungry because oh, that's awesome. Way to go, Alan. So, well, check this out. So here's where I'm going with this. One of the things that I really like is Sean Wildermuth's presentation was awesome because it helped step you to understanding what was in core, right? This can do a similar type thing. So let's say that you start off and you choose the bare minimum things. You say that you want the you want the tab navigation and that's it. You could generate that, put that off into a folder. You could come back through and do another one and say, okay, well, what if I wanted to add a map? And then you could actually just kind of do like a beyond compare of the two directories and say, hey, what changed between these, right? And and you as a developer with no understanding of any of it can start to see how this thing you know, grows as you add more pieces to it. So you can kind of get an understanding of, oh, well, if I wanted to add my own thing, these are the kind of places I would need to look to do that. So 
I see this as being useful, not just for a starting ground, but also for just understanding, like you said, you guys are taking best practices and you're trying to build code off the best practices out there. So this is like almost rather than sitting down and watching a YouTube video, you can get your hands dirty and sort of interactively learn how to do this. Yeah. And and actually, if you even wanted to do the, I would say, nerdier approach is you could go to our template directory on the GitHub and see how we're actually generating, like the how we're adding in the maps page to an MVVM versus a code behind. Because you nice. can literally look at the file and see here are the files that they are adding. Here's the stuff that they're injecting. It it's very very interesting and, and really nerdy on, on how how we do some of this stuff. And the, another cool thing is actually we're leveraging another open source project to do by Visual Studio to generate our apps. So it's open source using open source. I was going to ask if you guys are doing T4 in the background. Uh, we are not actually using T4. We're using the new Visual Studio template uh, generator. I didn't even know that existed. All right, that's nothing we got to uh, look up. currently public. I will Very say cool. for those people that are trying, though, to learn that tech, is, as you mentioned, and you know they are looking at maybe code behind, especially for new programmers, they may or may not have a need for some of the heavier frameworks like MVVM uh, that just wants to understand how it works. You could always you know, go in, you select that one page, that map, and then you finish the project. And that is, a, again, a great learning experience. How did, how, did that, how did we wire up that button to go to that new page? What about navigation? All the navigation, going back, going forward, how does that work? You're able to see that without going through you know, uh, you know, hundreds of lines of code that traditionally people would, would have to deal with. Awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, love the idea of uh, kind of hanging out on my couch, you know, and watching uh, Netflix or something in the background and say, oh, I've got an idea for a map. You know, I want to see where, uh, you know, uh, where the closest uh, Pokemon is or something. And uh, I can just kind of go in here, you know, file new, create up a new app, you know, say I want the map and, uh, you know, a few other things, background tasks. There we go. And now I'm playing around with it in just minutes and I'm absorbing this stuff and kind of learning and having some fun and learning in the background. And, and I don't have to mess with the stuff that I don't really care about. You know, I can just kind of focus on my fun little thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool part is, again, I mean, this is, they talked about it at the beginning. This is UWP. So imagine, right, you, you made your little Pokemon app that you started messing around with. You had it up and running in five minutes. Like literally you, you hit, you hit create you can hit F5, you have an app running, and now you can deploy this to an Xbox, right? <laughs> you could literally have something like this on an Xbox. You could have it on your tablet. You could have it on a computer. Like, it's super, super cool what you could do in very little time and effort. Yep. Yes. And, and that I was, don't want to use Pokemon, like maybe Pac Man or no. <laughs> ah, everything's taken. I highly suggest you. Uh, uh, Respect other people's copyrights. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You, you call it something like uh, Pokeyumon, and then you're good. <laughs> I, I think one add in here is that, again, this is open source, and that you may have your own uh, templates that you want to add or cr uh, create or help contribute. But also, you may be in an environment where maybe you want to take our uh, our code and generate your own physics installer. Maybe you're in healthcare, or maybe you're in an industry that you know there's a little. It's a little bit tighter, and people want more control of it. Again, you have the ability, you know, to take this and run with it, and 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 do what you want with it. And obviously, love to have you contribute back. But 
this will this should be able to fit your needs no matter what industry you're in. Yeah, so like a great example would be like, hey, I work at uh, uh, Ruckus Co. and Ruckus Co. has very specialized templates. So I would I could totally download this the the source code, point it to a different CDN, and install it on my end users' computers and or my end developer computers, and then we could work on our own private fork of basically the source code. That's awesome. So we 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 definitely tried to make it very adaptable, very useful, and and. Uh, can't wait until it, we open it up to the entire world and see what what possibilities there there are. Yeah, you know, I have a, a dumb question. I don't know if we ever said this. Uh, what is the official name of this? Like, if I want to go Google it to actually go download. Uh, yeah. Official name? Uh, do you want to say it, Michael? Oh, it was fun. Windows Template Studio. Windows Template Studio. Okay. Yes. I like it. And, and if you want, you can find it at aka.ms slash WTS, and it will forward to our GitHub page, and it, we have full-blown in, install instructions if you want to get it from the official Microsoft uh, Visual Studio Gallery, or if you want to try our nightlies. It's, it's pick and choose your own adventure. So if I wanted to get started uh, t- you know, tomorrow, um, I-, I would need something like Visual Studio, like Visual Studio Community would work, right? Yeah, um, yeah. This is free. you need Visual Studio 2017. Uh, you will need the uh, Creators Update SDK, which is 15.086, and build 15.086. And then um, you go, and which is also the UWP workload, so you basically then add, go to your extensions, uh, or I think it's tools, extensions, and updates. Click that. Click the online tab. Search for Windows Template Studio and click install. Restart Visual Studio, and it'll be in your file. New experience. Awesome. Hey, and we'll have a uh, link to some instructions too, yeah. right? We'll yes. have. We'll ha- the GitHub will have full blown instructions. Hey, and so also to add to that, it, because this is UWP, the OS has to be at least eight or higher, right? Uh, UWP say, has to be Windows 10. Windows 10. Okay. Okay. So, so we, we target uh, current release and current release minus one. So we support creators update and November, or I'm sorry, anniversary update. So that's 14.393 and 15.086. But if you download Visual Studio 2017 like today, uh, and you uh, once you start the installer, there is the workload there, and all you have to do is simply make sure you have a check mark in the Universal Windows platform, yep. and it will and take care of that for you. Everything okay. works. Very cool. Um, and then the other thing I want to bring up is, so what used to be Xamarin Studio, which is now Windu- or Visual Studio for Mac, what's that look like for this? Uh, so currently, this works on Windows 10. It, we do not currently support Xamarin. Uh, it is something that is uh, actually we do have a a GitHub issue on this. We'd love to see kind of what everyone is thinking and feeling, and going back to what is the best way to support this. Like um, for us, a big question was uh, how do we support a minimal viable product? What's our shipping bar? What's it? What's our uh, uh, things that we absolutely must ship with. So we talked about localization. I made the gut call a lot with uh, talking with Michael of, hey, to do localization the way we would love to do it requires too much time and effort and we could rat hole and it could delay the entire product from shipping. So let's 
let's just support ENUS for now, and then we'll revisit it. Same thing with um, a great feature that we want and will shortly implement is right-click add. So you already generated your app. You want to right-click add it. The problem is, is like I think my spec has four pages talking about all the different permutations that an application could be. Like maybe you didn't use Template Studio to build this out. So then what kind of assumptions can we make? Like are you using do we basically have to rerun assumptions like are you using MVVM Lite? Is this code behind? Hey, you really should check this into source code before we touch your project. <laughs> kind kinds of assumptions like that. So we want to work with the community and figure out what's best for the product and just create a really, really solid V1. And we know that there's lots of more, there's lots of more features and, and new things that people want. We just have to be sure that we do them uh, correctly. But in short, all the fun of writing suspend and resume code has now been taken away from us. So, I, hey, man, you know, <laughs> the, that, that is every day my favorite thing to write. Every day. <laughs> And I am really sure a lot of there's a lot of other questions that are going to be popping up around, you know, adding feature X, Y and Z. Again, just like you were saying with Xamarin, I think, you know, if we keep in mind, this is, you know, a 1.0 type of release that there is a lot more uh, goodness that can come from from this project. And I love that, too. Just I mean, for anybody listening here, this is the way real software is built, right? You, you have to make trade offs. So, I, I mean, I know there's several people in our audience that they're like, well, how do I do this or how do I get started or how do I make this? You have to make trade-offs. And so I think that's an excellent point, though. This is open source. There's a community around it. So if you have an opinion, you can get involved. So, yeah. again, we'll have those links. You know, definitely go out there and, and pitch in. And I think yeah, we're I can, all... I can, give, I can give an entire discussion on just even shipping. Like, the question is like, okay, is... This it's it's a cool thing to add into the source code now, but we're seven days away from shipping. Do we wait? Do we like? Is this a must-have item? Like, yeah, it's, you touch two two lines of code. Who cares? But then it's a you know that if you give a mouse a cookie problem, like, well, if that got in, this gets in, like, and it just it spirals out of control. So then right. it, it, then it's like we already have pull requests by the community for new new pages. But at a certain point, I had to go, you know, put my 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 fist down and go. We're we're at code freeze. Like right, the right. bug bar, the feature bar is now this high. And then, you know, yesterday I was talking to some of our developers. And I'm like, it is through the roof now. Nothing can get checked in without my direct approval. And like every morning, it's like, okay, let's go see what see what things have to get done. That's excellent. I think this is also, you can also think of this not only with, you know, the existing stuff that we've added in, but also, hey, you know, there's all this new stuff that's coming. There's a lot of new stuff that we're talking about, you know, at Build. And, you know, what would be my best practices for adding some of those features in as as we add them to Windows Template Studio in, in the future of, oh, yo, actually now I can go here and I can pull that in and start using that in my application. So I think it's also good for what we already have, but also a future looking of things that we have recently announced and things that we're going to be adding in. Uh, things yeah. to I, I cannot wait until we're allowed to talk about some of the stuff we're going to talk about at Build. Well, I think so, we are. So, yeah, go hashtag ahead. 
tease. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> note, uh, so Hololens will be in version one dot oh dot oh dot one. Right. <laughs> I I I I do not know. I do not uh, comment on rumors or speculation. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I think we're all super <laughs> appreciative of the you know community focused and open source uh, nature that Microsoft has has migrated to. That that is uh, really awesome, and we all really appreciate that. That was a huge change for the organization as a whole. So it, it's super awesome, and we appreciate you guys putting this out there. So we're going to include links to the GitHub uh, repo for this project. We'll have links to the blog posts as well, so you can see. Uh, more information, learn how to get your next app started using the new uh, Template Studio. Uh, if you want to reach Michael on Twitter, he is at mbcrump, uh, M-B-C-R-U-M-P. And Clint is on Twitter at, at Clint Ruckus, C-L-I-N-T-R-U-T-K-A-S. And yeah, with that, that creating a ruckus. Yeah. <laughs> I had to say, trouble. Sorry. That's as I'm, good as I'm the presser of the red button. <laughs> awesome. Well, that All right. Great, guys. Okay, hey, great. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, yeah. no, thanks for coming on. That's uh, We learned a little bit along the way and super excited about this. So yeah, thank and, you. And, like I said, if anyone has any questions from the community, please post a question on, on the GitHub. Reach out to me or Michael directly on Twitter. We're really, really accessible. We'd love to see what you guys are building. Yeah. Excellent. Or what questions you guys have or feature requests. Yeah, 100%. Please reach out. Yes. Awesome. Nicely done, guys. Thank you very much. Thank oh, you. yeah. Thank you. We, we really appreciate you guys. We re- really appreciate it. Cool. And now if you'll excuse, excuse me, I need to change clothes for the next portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally not awkward. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Uh, especially not when he does it on camera. Everybody close oh. your eyes. Wait. Okay. This got Cheers. weird. Bye. Yep. All right. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. So we hope that you certainly enjoyed hearing about those, uh, the the, the new bits that are coming from out of build 2017. But since we didn't get to do my favorite part of the show, typically during the middle ish, somewhere in that line, we're going to do it now. So it's time for survey says, All right, so which programming language are you most envious of is the survey from the last episode. Now, we gave a lot of choices in this one. C, C Sharp, C++, F Sharp, Go, Haskell, Java, JavaScript, Python, R, Ruby, Swift, TypeScript, VB.net. Ooh. Who gets to guess first? <laughs> you go ahead, man. All right. Uh, it's between two for me. Um, so, no, three. Oh, three. There's definitely three. Um, part of me wants to say C++ because, like, you know, I kind of think of that as being, like, the hardcore super programming. Uh, part of me wants to say Haskell because it's, like, super functional. But then there's, like, the go hotness. So, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Haskell. With 17%. Oh, that's insane. There's no way. Haskell, right. 17%. <laughs> gauntlet thrown. There's no way. I was going to say... I, 
I think I think a lot of people are probably doing Java or C sharp or one of these these major ones out there. So I'm going to say I think people are envious of Swift. And I'm gonna really? give it I yeah, I don't know why. And then I'm gonna give it eight <clears throat> percent. <laughs> oh, I feel a wind coming on. All right. Swift. I mean, the only reason why I was saying like really was just because I, I mean, I guess you're assuming like a lot of people want to do iOS development is where you're, that's pretty that's much kind of what you're suggesting. Yeah, and Objective C like sucked yeah, so that was hard, a, wasn't and even people on were super excited about when Swift came out because it was so much better. So that's that's the only reason I went that route. And okay. emoji variable names. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. I mean, fair enough logic. Um, all right, but you lost. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Joe, you did too. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, you you're both off. So, Does it go? So no, uh, actually, this one was surprising. I'm going to say that our audience is messing with us on this one. <laughs> There's no way this is the answer. They picked R. But you know, I mean, I threw JavaScript. this one in there as a joke, and I guess they picked up on the joke and decided to play along with it because the winning one is VB.net. What if we could make <laughs> them stop working again? Oh, that's uh, hilarious. That's awesome. So <laughs> what was the percentage? It had to have been a big joke. It was like 29%. Yeah. Wow. Okay, okay so um, what was the real one after that then, right? That's the question. Say what now? What was the real one that people chose after VB.net? <laughs> okay, after VB.net, uh, yeah, you, you're still both wrong. Um, <laughs> let me just say, though, I guess if I had to, like, pick a temperature, like, you know, okay, well, who's mostly right between the two of you? Um, and Joe is more right than Alan. Let's say that. How's I don't that? know how mm-hmm. that's, how you could be more right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Because right rules? Because think, he picked three languages? No, he, well, oh, but no, his final answer was Haskell, I thought. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, it was, it was actually, second place was a tie between C Sharp and Python. Interesting. Right. At 11%. Well, that kind of makes me happy. Yeah. So, I found that curious. Huh. I, yeah. Hmm. How did JavaScript do? Uh, yeah, like four and a half. Well, you know, yeah. the reason why I think JavaScript wasn't picked is because that's what everybody's programming in. So there's yeah. nothing to envy there. Like, that's what they're doing. Yeah, that might explain uh, some of them. Yeah, maybe. That that was a fun one. I, I like that. Yeah. So maybe that, like, either people have a good sense of humor or, uh, and, we, and we've been trolled or we're um, insulting <laughs> everybody right now. Twenty nine percent of our listeners. It's probably like a combination of all of that. <laughs> yeah, we're straddling yep. the line somewhere. But because we're doing this show all out of order, I now want to ask you if you haven't already, please take this opportunity to leave us a review. You can head to www.codingblocks.net slash review and you can find links to uh, you know your favorite aggregators there where you could leave us a review and we would greatly super duper hugely appreciate I mean, huge. This is huge. Uh, <laughs> appreciate that review. Yep. And so, what's our next one? This okay. is the new. So, our new 
survey for this episode is an easy one. Like everyone, you're going to hear this and you're like, oh, this is a super easy one. I can't wait to, to vote in on this one. And the question is simple. How cool is your company? And your choices are extremely cool. They pay for my conferences. Very cool. They give me time off for conferences. And lastly, they suck. I'm lucky if I even get time off approved. So obviously uh, you can hear that we're, we kind of have conferences on the mind. I mean, after all, we're talking about build 2017. We're kind of thinking conferences. Maybe you are too. And these yeah, are anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> these are anonymous. And we do kind of think that uh, most companies do not send programmers out, which is, uh, I, I think, a shame because I, I do think that there's a lot of value in, in companies encouraging their employees to keep up because uh, like uh, old firm I know, well, he's not old. Uh, a friend of mine once uh, asked the question, would you rather that your employees learn new stuff and sometimes leave or would you rather they learn nothing new and stay? Hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, and but you know, I'm curious. Like, what what do you think is like the more valuable though uh, way to to learn though? Do you think that like, I mean, I love going. I love to go to conferences to hear the new things. But do you think that's like the most bang for buck? I think that is the best way to broaden your way of thinking. Not necessarily the best way to implement, right? I, I think that's that's how I always look at the conferences. You just get fed through a fire hose. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's the drinking through a fire hose, but you get exposed to so much that you didn't even know existed before, and that's what I love about them. Whereas, you know, going to a two day training course, yeah, you might be able to code some some stuff in C sharp right after you get back, but it was literally just, hey, this is how you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on the exposure. Yeah, I kind of always wonder, like, as far as bang for buck, like, I think, like, something like a plural site or a code school is, you know, it's cheap and there's potentially a lot of value there. But I, I do think conferences are, are up there. So it's kind of like, if you're going to do one thing for your employees, then maybe the plural site thing is the way to go. Uh, if you're going to do two things, though, conferences are really awesome. Developers love it. They get inspired. They come back. They inspire the teammates. They come back with new ideas and meeting people and just a really cool thing to do. But it's it's kind of harder to assign a monetary value to that, I think. Inspiration is a huge point, though, that you just made. So, I mean, I mean, you each, you each made some really good points there as to, like, uh, um, you know, the exposure and then, and then the inspiration that you get out of the conference. And I think if if companies are doing it right, when they send their people out, you know, if, if let's say that people get put on a rotation, right? Like maybe one time I get to go the next time you get to go or whatever. If, if it's almost like a requirement that that person put together a set of slides or something, so they can bring back and share it with the group, then that, that kind of pays dividends all the way around. And, and, you know, it can help build up the morale. It can get some, some excitement rolling. And, again, it can inject some new ideas. So, I don't know. I, I think there's ways to where the company can get back out of it what they're investing in, you know. Or send a couple at once and you got some team building too. Yeah, true. Yeah. But it does kind of assume, though, that what you were talking about with the notes, though, that everyone's going to take notes, A. <laughs> B, they're going to take good notes and then – C, lastly, see be able to you know, do a decent presentation back on that information. Yeah, but it, it's a good it's a good skill building exercise all the way around. So, yeah, man, it, I'm I'm curious to see what these come back with because 
I think more companies should do it. I don't know how many actually are, so we'll see how this one turns out. Yeah, I'm really hoping that uh, I'm hoping that most of the companies are going to be extremely cool. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, let's get into the resources that we like. Anyone got one? We got one. Um, so being that we just talked about this with Build, uh, there are, you know, quite a few things going on with Microsoft Build right now. They're, you know, we've talked about it before. They're now the largest contributor to open source that there is, right? So there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. So go check out build.microsoft.com. They've got some live streaming stuff. And and you can find out about things that are going. Again, even if you're not a, a .NET developer or whatever, this just might be a way to broaden your horizons a little bit. Hey, um, you know what? I was talking with uh, with the MS Dev guys uh, today. It's kind of joking around about um, their guesses for uh, for build announcements, right? So I want uh, I want each of you, and I'll tell you mine too, uh, to tell me uh, a prediction for something that will be announced at build. Yikes! Oh man, on the spot. No yep. doubt. Didn't even <clears throat> give us a minute. Uh, they're going to rewrite the Windows file system. Oh, wait, that was Vista. <laughs> Longhorn? No, just kidding. Wrong conference. Can we tell you mine first to get the juices flowing? Yeah, please do. I'm predicting an Xbox branded, branded Oculus slash Vive uh, competitor. I know there's HoloLens, but I think they're going to come out with a headset. So to go against like the PlayStation's uh, VR? Yep. Okay. You might... Um, they're going to release Visual Studio 2018. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really put yourself out there on that one. <laughs> I thought, what? What? No, this is 2017. It would be a huge leap if they did it a year early. Don't you look at a calendar? Oh, that's awesome. Silverlight uh, 2017. <laughs> oh, no. It could happen. So... Let me think about this. I mean, it, it does seem like Microsoft is kind of all in on the augmented slash virtual thing. Um, I think what they might be trying to do is trying to get something like Unity cross-platform. I think I think their next big push is that you know they've already tried to do their their UWP. So you know, basically, you program for anything in the Windows universe of devices then you get it i think their next big thing is going to be trying to push the ar or the vr cross-platform i think i think that's what they're going to try and announce well i don't have any good one to come up with and uh to follow up with that i i had the one thought that was maybe like tighter xamarin uh you know abilities within visual studio you know, tighten that up to make it even better for you know Android, iOS, and Windows development. Maybe uh. I also thought uh, the Unity buying Unity 3D was uh, one of the things I thought about too because it just kind of makes sense with them. Uh, you know, buying the best dev tools and it's already C sharp. If they can kind of bring that in and roll it out to even more stuff, it just kind of makes sense. I mean, they already bought Mono. You know. Yeah, they're, they're definitely making a play to be the one-stop shop for making applications. And, dude, I mean, that honestly, I, I wish somebody would do it, regardless of who it is, whether it's Microsoft or someone. Like, that's always been the pain point. Like, okay, I want to program something. All right, am I going to target Windows or am I going to target Mac? Or am I going to target Linux, right? Like, 
And if you want to do anything, then you have to have like a full on dev shop for each one of them. Right. So it'd be amazing if, if they made it happen or somebody else did. So it's pretty exciting, but I honestly think that Microsoft (laughs) is really all in on this AR VR thing. So I'm with you. I think that they're trying to go the software route with it. I don't think they've done great with the hardware stuff. I, I, like is Surface Phone or or is Windows Phone even going to be a thing anymore? There's been speculation, but it sounds like it's dying. So, Zuna's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem, right? Like they make a lot of good stuff. The Xbox has done phenomenal. The controller is um, awesome, right? The, the Xbox One controllers. Oh, the, the Xbox is a great machine, right? Outlaw has it. He loves it. Yeah, um, big fan. But and I, it, I love the Elite controller. Oh, right. Oh, speaking of, did you guys see it? This is totally, man, we go off the rails. Um, did you guys see the new Surface? Uh, it's not, what did they call it? Surface the laptop, surf, wasn't it? The Surface laptop. It's not Surface Book. It's not the Surface Pro. It's the Surface laptop. And it's interesting. So it's basically kind of upper tier hardware, but they're almost doing another version of Windows RT. It's called Windows S. So it's a stripped down one. You can only get things from the marketplace. However, like the bare minimum thing of this costs $1,000, but it's an i5 with eight gig of RAM. Like it's a decent spec machine. Um, But here's the interesting thing, because they did make a decent spec machine for 50 bucks more, you can upgrade to the full version of Windows. So now you're getting up there and they're kind of competing with their own products, right? Like they're, they're kind of stepping on the toes of the Surface Book and the Surface Pro at a way more affordable price. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. But outside of the Surface and the Xbox lineup of hardware, like they haven't really done great in that arena, you know? So that's why I have a hard time thinking that the, the VR thing is really, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to wear anything on my face. Yeah, they're, really? they're probably going to, you know, another build prediction, they're going to take the JavaScript engine out of Edge. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, so that pretty much wraps up the resources we like. Um, and now it's on to my favorite part of the episode, and it's the t- tip of the week. It's the tip of the week. <laughs> That's right. And so uh, I guess I'm going first. Yeah, uh, I found an article here uh, that uh, tells you how to convince your boss to send you to a conference. It's got a, a nice little list of, uh, of reasons to give. And uh, if you maybe phrase it like this, you'll have an easier time uh, with the sell. So good luck. Very nice. All right. So mine actually comes from a pain that I experienced here in the past couple of weeks. And I know I'd seen it and I completely lost it. So if you're in SQL Server specifically and you're concatenating strings, like there was before the, let's just say since NVARCAR and VARCAR Maxis came along, if you wanted to concatenate a bunch of strings together, you typically have to like cast as an NVARCAR Max and keep doing that. I'm sorry, so what is this type did, you're referring to? Car? <laughs> yeah, there's, I'm a, not, I, there's a car? How do you say it? Sahar. I know you guys don't say NVARCAR. Or it or var care or ver care in oh, var Stop it, stop it. <laughs> so, so at any rate, just know about this. 
if you have this huge SQL string and you're concatenating a bunch of stuff together, if you're doing some dynamic SQL or something, if you do pluses, it will truncate stuff out of the middle of that. And you'll wonder what in the world happened? Like, where did my SQL go? Where did my code go that was in here? It'll just disappear. And then you'll, and the way that people used to work around it in the old days is they'd cast everything as a max, right? Keep casting as a max and keep doing a plus and life would be dandy. There's a much better way, a much easier, less insane way of doing things. Use the concat function in SQL Server. And then that way, all you have to do is concat, comma, and then do another single quote and your string. It doesn't truncate any of it. You don't lose chunks of code. You don't lose chunks of data in the middle of it. Concat automatically takes care of putting the big string together and not losing anything. Can we please get like a TypeScript compiler for, but you know, not TypeScript, but something like that where we transpile some sort of new features in the SQL language to plain old SQL. So we don't have to think about stuff like that. It, I, I agree, man. Like, I'm googling dude, SQL transpiler. It, it was. It's one of those things where you you look at it, you're like, why is this? Why is this dynamic SQL failing? And then you're like, oh wait a second, it's missing half of its query. <laughs> why is that? Right. This is the so, fact that you're doing a dynamic query, and it's probably for something like crazy, like uh, I don't know, dynamic sorting or some something ridiculous. Yes, something well, that should be easy, right? Yes, transpiler. Yeah. We should we should get somebody to make one of these. <laughs> I mean. Why is it that this stupid query language from the 70s still sucks? Why isn't it up to date? It's because it's standardized. Down with standards. <laughs> it's from the 70s. I don't know. Down with standards. <laughs> oh, there's the answer. Uh, all right, your turn, Outlaw. Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, I have this cool one. So obviously, it's going to be a get tip. So uh, there's this neat little uh, repo out there on GitHub called Git Extras, and it adds in a whole bunch of nifty little commands. Uh, and one of my favorites, for example, is, and this is kind of what uh, led me down that path to begin with, was let's say you're kind of curious to see just some stats on your repository. Uh, just in regards to like, you know, who's committing what, when, how often, you know, things like that, right? So, for example, uh, if you have the git extras uh, installed locally, you could do git summary, and it'll give you out a little report of everyone who's committed into your code and by percentage or line count of, you know, how their how, how your repository is uh, is is getting used or, you know, at least committed to by people. And, you know, you can do it by commits or whatever, things like that. Um, you can do like, uh, what was another one? Um, get effort. Oh, to display effort statistics on a number of commits per file. So this was another part of the, this was actually, now that I think about it, the, actually the real reason why I was getting into it is I was trying to look for like, uh, what files are changing the most in my repository. Right. Um, because there was this, I think it was a Google white paper from a long time ago where they had suggested that, hey, the files that are changing the most often might or probably are probably going to be the biggest source of bugs. And so I was trying to find like, hey, what what code in my repository is changing most often? And let me make sure that that's the stuff that is well covered with unit tests, right? Um, so you you know, get effort and you can find out these kind of stats on uh, 
on your repository. And there's a whole slew of different bugs, or not bugs. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. There's a whole slew of other uh, commands that you can get. And some of them are, you know, just shortcuts for other uh, features that are already there, but you want to make it a little bit easier, you know, uh, create branch, delete branch, you know, want to make it a little bit more obvious, uh, delete submodule Cause who doesn't want to do that? Right. Get delete tag. Right. So a bunch of cool little commands, but there are some extra ones in there that are really going to, you know, shine if that's the type of thing you're looking for. If, if you wanted to see some stats like that. That looks very cool. And it's a pretty neat little project that's out there. And that's on yep. GitHub, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Excellent. Hey, so I have one more random topic to bring up, only because you said unit <laughs> test, and it sparked a memory, and it'll be gone forever if I don't get it out now. So I'm curious what you guys think. So typically in a C-sharp project or something, you'll have like a separate unit test project, right? Like maybe you have, this is project A, and here's project A tests. And here's project B, here's project B test. And typically that's done for two reasons. One, you know, one, you can keep all your tests in one place. And two, you don't have to ship that compiled code to your production environment, right? You, you can build just the projects you need. So I'm curious you guys' thoughts on what about keeping the tests right next to what they are testing? <laughs> uh, Joe has an opinion. I have an irrational hatred of that idea. It, there's something about it that offends me, even though I totally think that it makes sense uh, in, in almost every way. Dude, that was awesome. I cannot wait. I'm slow mowing this on the video. Whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Go actually, um, it, they expect you to keep your test right next to the code, and then they kind of like, you know, grab them out when you actually do like a, a deploy so that it doesn't. Uh, get uh, compiled in there. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I just hate that idea because it's so anti the way I've always uh, learned to do things. And I've had such a hard time even doing the things that I've learned to that it just like makes me matter to try and change it now. Well, from a more <laughs> pragmatic point of view, you got other problems with that though, because there's uh, realistically there's assumptions and I'm not saying they're good that uh, many test runners have that they're going to look for tests as in the name of what it's going to try to run. So you're going to have problems there where you like, I mean, you could go in and, you know, point it to what that's not going to be a showstopper, but I'm just saying from like an out of the box, you know, perspective, you know, there are many there that want to look for, uh, cause they're not inspecting all of the code looking for attributes on the code. They're just saying like, hey, you got to point me at what the DLL is that you want me to go look at. And by default, I'm going to look for ones that include test in the name. So here's here was where my thought went. And this is why it even came up as something that I wanted to discuss is I, I had also done some Node.js stuff with some Angular in the past. And you typically put the test right there next to whatever it's testing, right? So you'd have like a spec file along with whatever you're doing. And the thing that I liked about it is it's almost a reminder that, hey, you need one of these right here next to it. Like if it's off in another project, it's mm-hmm. real easy to forget to set up a test for whatever you're trying to do. And and I or guess that's main, why... to maintain it. Right, right. And if it's right there next to it, it's it's almost like, hey, you can't ignore me, right? And that's... 
I really like that. And it's funny because if you go out and Google for it, like, hey, should I put my test right next to what's being tested or should it be in another project? You'll see like it's almost like flame wars, right? Like some people are, you never do that because you don't want that code to ship with your production stuff, even though you could figure out ways to get around that. And then there's other people that are like, no, you should totally do that so that you know exactly what's being tested and where and that you do have a test. And so I, I, I thought that was... I kind of like the idea of having it right next to it, just from the perspective of, okay, I know that I set it up, right? And I know that I need to maintain that. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a good question to ask and a good thing to think about. Like, you don't want to go down the path of kind of group think of like this, you know, I put my tests in the new project because that's, you know, what the internet told me to do. So I, I do think it's a good question to ask. And I, I you know, I, I definitely can think of a few cons, but I can think of pros too. So, um, you know, I, I don't really know. Maybe it's worth uh, trying to do a you know next project like that and just kind of see how it turns out. I can't believe I flipped you that quickly. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after you fell out of your chair almost at the beginning yeah. of this. <laughs> it was like Neo Still. in the Matrix. <laughs> hey, hey, and I will tell you, um, so I don't remember which episode it was, but all I did was go up to codingblocks.net and search for unit tests. And I found the little template thing that Outlaw had done previously. And and I mean, it's really helpful if you guys haven't actually seen it. Like it's it's a nice flow of how he's got it set up for his text, his test fixtures and then all the stuff below it. So I, I did actually use that. So nice. thank you for putting that code together. You're welcome. Very cool. So, yep. All right. And, and then, did I you put the a, test in a separate project, though, or no, did no, you just it was like right put next it side to it. by side? <laughs> no, it was actually right next to it, and this ended up being painful for me because I've been screwing around with Visual Studio for Mac, and so I was, you know, trying to do my own thing. You can go in and create a new test project, and it'll set up all your references and everything for you, and everything's dandy. But of course, I wanted to go the path of most pain, and you know, I tried to include it you know, next to it. And so I went into NuGet and I said, okay, give me the latest version of in unit. Right. Well, uh, mono mm. with Mac with visual studio does not like the latest version of that. And you have to go back to 2.6 point something. And, oh, not even and so, yeah, like 45 minutes into it, I'm like, oh my God, it was just a version thing. Right. Like, cause I kept trying to run it and I'm like, why is this thing blowing up? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that actually brings up, you know, going back to your question, though, as I'm thinking about this, you know, it really depends on the 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 language environment that you're in. So, like, in your Angular example, that makes a lot of, that makes a lot more sense than in a compiled language like uh, a C-sharp would, because then in that project, you got to include those other DLLs that are going to be linked in that in your production app aren't necessary at all. And then yep. as it relates, like you brought up in unit, for example, uh, as it relates to in unit, depending on what your, you know, build server is going to be, you may need to include the in unit. Uh, what's it called? The in unit test adapter, runner, uh, yeah, test runner adapter, what's yeah. something like that. Um, you know, that's totally not even needed in your production app. So, I mean, even though you could get around like, Hey, you know, uh, don't include this these files in the release or you know if def them out uh yep but that's still kind of it's dirty uh, right yeah yeah, yeah mocking libraries if you have any sort of text files or data files that use with the testing uh, all that stuff is uh you have to exclude it somehow 
Yeah, it, it sucks, right? Like the fact that that's even a thing, because now we're talking about more about the the way that particular frameworks are set up as opposed to what makes the most sense in terms of, you know, yeah. See, it, 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 you know, what uh, Joe just said kind of sparked a thought in my mind too, because then like, like I could see it making more sense if you were thinking about like like this from like a C kind of um, uh, app that you're building that, you know, you could easily exclude um, code that you don't want in a particular flag, like, you know, debug versus release by if defing it out, right? And in your make file, you could do similar things to like, you know, include or exclude which libraries you want. But then that's that one that's kind of gross because, you know, if we go back to the 12 factor app, right? Like you're totally diverging what you're, what you're debugging what and you're testing shipping. versus yeah. what you're shipping, which right. is not, doesn't sound great at all. Right. And then if we go back to, you know, something like a visual studio environment for say a .NET project like C sharp, you know, you're typically not touching those solution files or those project files to that type of specificity where you're, where you're, you know, don't include this, uh, under this build or that, you know, yeah, that, that just sounds gross. Yeah. I, I agreed. I mean, it's, it was, it was just one of those things that came up and I was like, man, it really makes a lot of sense for it to be beside it. But the way that, that the tooling and the builds are set up for like a.net, it's, yeah. So it, it makes it a lot of sense, sense in a particular language environment but not it's not a one size fits all rule right, right. I, I think is where i'm going to end up on it yep yeah so maybe it's just insufficient tooling maybe that's gonna you know five years from now maybe we're going to be doing it like that and they're gonna, can you imagine back in the day and don't create a new project and everyone would just forget about it yeah it, it's I think things like that, the reason why they work well in some environments is because there's a lot of things set up to look at names, right? Like there's a lot of introspection. If it's got dot spec in the name, then you know that you're going to toss it out and not include it in your bundle, right? And I, tooling's not there for .NET. So yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Just another random side thought I had. So No, that's a good one. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. We hope you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, this special episode. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. Be sure to leave us a review if you haven't already. We would greatly, super duper appreciate it. You can head to www.codingblocks.net slash review. And if you have already left us a review, just know that you definitely put a smile on our faces. We super appreciate that. We can't express it enough. Totally. And while you're up there at CodyBlocks.net, check out all our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And send your feedback, questions, and rants to the Slack channel, <laughs> CodingBlocks.Slack.com. And you can find a, a form to invite yourself by going to CodingBlocks.net slash Slack. And follow us on Twitter at CodingBlocks or head over to CodingBlocks.net and find all our social links at the top of the page. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I like how he changed a- his voice here. There's social links. <laughs> It started off as an accident, but I thought it sounded so cool. I just kept going with it. <laughs> it totally sounded. Yeah, I should talk about this all the time. Sean Connery. <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what you were trying to do. 
<laughs> what, it wasn't obvious? <laughs> oh, it always now. The uh, one person on the planet I would choose to be if I could be anybody other than myself. <laughs> uh, okay. right, I'm going to... I'm gonna stop the ecam before this gets any weirder. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>